Do you think the industry's got nicer because of COVID? Or do you think we've got nastier because of COVID? It's a really strange question, Adam. What's put that in your mind? Hello and welcome to the PR Hub podcast. My name is Adam Tuckwell. And I'm John Wilcox. Um, before we start with the show, Adam, I've got a quick question. Um, how do you like your coffee? I'm not actually grown up enough to drink coffee. I only like tea, but I hope when I'm bigger, I will like coffee. Oh, bless you. Well, Mick, um, it's a good thing we didn't ask the question uh, during our interview today with uh, our guest, uh, Penny Myradu, who is uh, the group PR manager over at Costa Coffee, uh, now part of Coca-Cola, formerly of Whitbread. I think it's fair to say that is a high street institution on British uh, British streets. So, yeah, we spoke to, to, to Penny. A great interview, uh, which you'll be hearing uh, very, very soon. But before we go into that, we've got a problem, John. We do have a problem, Adam. Do you want to share with our, our our listeners? Every episode, John, we encourage people to like, share, and rate the pod, and and um, a comment, uh, and comment. Don't forget the and, comment. And indeed, and indeed, comment. And 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 last time, somebody somebody did rate the pod, but they they didn't give us five stars, and they gave us four stars, which which made me question. What's the fucking point of that? What is the fucking point of that? At this point, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to use a ring, uh, uh, that clip from Game of Thrones. Here it is. Shame. Shame. Shame on you, listener, who rated us four stars out of five. Five stars or no stars. No, no don't say no stars. No, no, no. Five stars or don't bother. Five stars that don't bother because now we're at four point now four point nine rating now on Apple Podcasts. Do like, uh, rate, subscribe to the pod, and comment as well because it does improve our visibility. But if you give us a four, for shame, madam, for for shame, sir, just for shame, full stop. Shame. Let's jump into our interview with Penny. <laughs> I was 10 years old and I walked into the living room and I, my mum had absolutely fabulous on. And I was like, who are these women? They're, they're wearing designer clothes and they're shouting about Lulu and they're drinking, you know, Bolly and oh, it's just so glamorous. And and then I just, my mum said I kind of switched overnight into a mini Adina and became a bit shouty. And then eventually in my teen years turned into Patsy and then it was kind of game over. And then that was it. That was my career, my journey into, into PR. I thought it was going to be all ab fab and champagne and client lunches and, you know. I was going to say, Penny, at, at what stage on your first day did you realise it wasn't like that? Oh, God. Well, I mean, I my first agency job was, I think, 2000 and, yeah, January of 2006. And it was B2B tech. Oh, my God. It was the right. That's John's beat. Careful. That's John's I mean, beat. Sorry. That, was, that was my first experience in was it? B2B. Yeah. I worked at Ruda Finn, so I'm not sure if they're still going. And it was, I'm really proud of myself, actually, because I came, you know, I think 21 is pretty young. And I moved to London. I didn't know anybody here. My mum's family were here because my mum's born and bred Londoner. But I didn't know anybody else. I didn't mm. have any friends. I didn't really know how to, to kind of do that. And I, I took the job because it was the first job that was offered to me in London. I actually, what I should have done was go to other places and interview. I was just desperate to get into work. And then it was a, an agency called Rudy Finn and it was kind of B2B tech, like really boring stuff. And I just didn't gel with the team. I didn't like the work. And I'm, I, I, 
quit after six months and I just thought I just don't want to do this and within the space of a couple of weeks I got a job at MSNL um and at the time they were really really big in corporate they had De Beers they had Philips um and I started working the corporate team and I think at that point you're so young and you don't really know um I don't think you really know enough about comms you you clearly don't you've gone to university you've done your degree in it but you don't really know enough about it and I thought you know corporate is is the way to go and actually I, I remember going for an interview um with uh another big agency about three or four years into my career and i was chatting to the associate and he's you know he was talking to me about the de beers campaign that i got to work on and he said to me penny you won't know this now but when you look back you are going to say to yourself that was the best campaign that you've ever worked on and the best experience that you'll ever have and some people never get that chance and he said I'm an associate and I've never had that the opportunity that you have I was working on an account that was a multi-million pound account there were about 25 people working in corporate alone on you know on the on the account for, for De Beers and it was the most incredible experience the client was just phenomenal the learning that the growth and and at that time I mean the luxury of it now is pre-recession so you know, there were four account executives, including myself, four working on media monitoring alone, four of us. And you had to get into the office at 6.30 in the morning to start it, to have everything ready for 9am for the client. And when um, the the campaign finished, because it was the reactive campaign to the film Blood Diamond, so it was a lot going on at the time. And the client said that the the service that we provided, particularly around media monitoring, was like anything, nothing they'd ever experienced. And just that level of service was, was amazing. I wasn't thinking that on Boxing Day when I had to get up and sit at my parents' big, massive PC in the dark trying to do media monitoring at, at that time in the morning and having my grandpa just going to me, what is it that you're doing? Do you sub boats? And I was like, no, grandpa, this is the... <laughs> This is media monitoring for a big brand, and it's still not, still not to get registering. So that was my foray, and and I sort of, you know, stayed into stayed in corporate, and then actually started transitioning into consumer consumer brand. And actually, it was really where I sort of cut my teeth at Good Relations, where I kind of came in at sort of a, a manager level, where I had the luxury of working both corporate and consumer side. So I got. A lovely bit of both and I'm really glad that was it that was a great role because I just got to split it and I got to do a bit of everything and, and what I loved and I got to work with really lovely clients and great people. What proportion of your work is is really sort of planned strategic campaign work and how much freedom do you have to to be creative on short-term projects or be very reactive to the news environment what does what does your sort of PR outreach look like for Costa? I've forgotten what it feels like, Adam, to be honest, over this year. <laughs> this year. Um, it's been super reactive of late. But um, do you know what? We have um, we have a number of campaigns that we have to um, respond to a year. And what I would say is that we work into a really amazing team that allow us the flexibility and creativity to just kind of lead it. My boss at the moment is very much like, I trust you. What do you, like? What do you think will work? Tell me. How do we how do we run X for whatever it is that we're doing? How do we launch Christmas? How do we whatever it is? 
the trust is there, you know, from her to to make that decision. So I think that we're very lucky. Um, I think as the brand has moved from challenger to mature in this market, you know, we're the nation's favorite and we have been for 10 years. We're we're very, you know, lucky to have that and we work really hard for it. But with that comes the fact that you're a mature brand and we're also owned by Coca-Cola. So there is a level of looking at risk versus being reckless. And with my experience, I understand what it is to be reckless, but actually it's taking, again, the stakeholders on that journey for them to see um, that they have the trust in you to, yeah, we're going to take a small risk, but actually it's not, it's not a Paddy Power thing. Funnily enough, I was presenting my updated strategy to the business and Paddy Power was a case study in that of like, this is the, on the riskometer, this is where that sits. And, you know, serving horse meat, well, fake horse meat at the Cheltenham <laughs> Festival, whatever it was, that was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. But that is, that is kind of not, not where we play. But, um, you know, Adam, we, we have um, a fair bit of, of, of leeway to, to do whatever we want to do. And I think we have the bread and butter ongoing of like MPD that kind of runs throughout the year where, where we've got that. But then we have a level of, you know, this year's been, I think this year's a, a I don't even say the word blip, but this year has been complex in terms of we've had to be really quite reactive and we've had to put in campaigns that were not scheduled for this year. Um, and we've just we've just rolled with it. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's fair. That's, that's, fair. <laughs> that's definitely fair. I think I think we've all had to make adjustments uh, this year. Uh, for sure, uh, you know, professionally and, and, and personally. Uh, you touched upon there, or you've touched upon both the previous uh, parent company uh, and and the current one, Whitbread, Coca-Cola. Obviously, Whitbread, much more sort of, uh, you know, British uh, organization, mm. no part of Coca-Cola. Well, now Costa's part of Coca-Cola, massive global brand, probably very stuck, I would imagine, very stuck in its ways in, term, in, in terms of, of, uh, of, of its comms. You know, are there now you know X number of additional levels of of of, of approvals? Does it have to go stateside? Is it just you know what's that shift like? I must say, I think there was a level of apprehension when Coke acquired us. It was a really unnerving time, and actually, as it happened, I was away, and then I saw a text. I saw a, a Sky News alert on my phone that we'd been purchased by Coca Cola. Obviously, they couldn't tell me because. I'd have, you know, you can't do that. It's illegal. Uh, but I, yeah, so and it was really unnerving. And I just thought, I'm not sure about this. I don't know how I feel. And James Quincy flew over from Atlanta to speak to us. And he's done that a couple of times. And there is, um, I think Coca-Cola have been absolutely incredible. I, I feel so happy that they were the ones that bought us because they are the ones that are saying, driving us helping us grow you know helping us understand how we can develop as a business that's 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 their role to to do but actually on a day-to-day level you know i'm sure there is there of course this accountability for jill our ceo and neil our md into into coca-cola and some of the things we have to deliver but you know we're we're kind of cracking on and where we you know have the ability to tap into coca-cola and their expertise we will so um, yeah, I mean, I've worked with them on a couple of projects so far on a couple of joint things that we've we've had to pick up on. And they are just honestly fantastic. It's just I think, you know, a, a ready drink versus in store is, is such a different experience. But again, they just let you get on because there's the trust there and they know that we're the experts in needing our brand. And that's what we do. So, again, couldn't ask for any better, really. 
you touched on lockdown earlier on penny and talked about this year being not which you know, one one, one, one or two one like no, <laughs> one like no. let's all just merge it all into one um how, how has that impacted your you know you and your team and and that idea of being able to you know i don't know work with those two colleagues that you mentioned bounce ideas off each other how's 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 that been for you in-house i wonder whether you think that experience has has altered the way in which you also work with your agency partners and what you get Mm. back from them um so the majority i'm saying this as a generalization but the majority of brands that i i know of don't have offices in london and their offices are usually on business parks and in wherever ours is in dunstable which is near luton so actually we'd kind of go into the office maybe once a week then the rest of the time we're working remotely so either working from home working from one of our agency partners meeting in a coffee shop and just doing whatever but actually we've the business is very set up to work remotely. And I think that's where cost has kind of landed on its feet from a, a support center point of view, because everybody's so agile anyway, we're, we're kind of used to this, right, okay, fair enough, five days a week, sitting in the same place day after day. Yes, of course not. Um, what I think has been um, really interesting is pre this we didn't lean on digital so much so we weren't going on the likes of microsoft teams or zoom or whatever we weren't mm. doing that we were putting phone calls in now i mean i have got slight microsoft teams fatigue but we have face-to-face calls so the times when you know if i think pre-covid when i was working from home there'd be two three days maybe where i didn't physically see my team we just spoke over the phone now we have teams actually you are more likely to stay on a little bit longer and have a chat because you can see you've got, you know, face-to-face engagement. So I think um, I think generally it's been um, an experience which I would not like to repeat, but, you know, we're cracking on and, and actually, you know, we're super productive anyway. We've got things to be getting on with. Um, and I, I hope um, at some point in December, I have put in some time, I'm not sure whether it's going to happen, but an actual face-to-face meeting. So fingers and toes crossed for that. Your move from agency to in-house, um, how much more important are strategies now that you're in-house than when you're in agencies? Or when I say that, I mean sort of long-term strategies. Was that something you had to sort of learn and develop? Or were your agency experiences aligned to what was going to happen in 6, 12, 18 months' time? So I think pre-COVID, we you could put together a strategy and think, you know, one to two years. But... I think now post this, you can't do that anymore. So I've put this strategy together. I think it's going to get me through to maybe spring, summer of next year. And then I think I'm going to have to refresh it because it's just changing so much. Our business has changed so much. And I think that the world is going to be ever evolving. And we're leaning into things like technology that we wouldn't have done, you know, so much of before. So we've done it over the last six months. We have you know, ambitiously rolled out collect within our stores. So, so prior to, you know, lockdown, prior to COVID, you could, you know, get, get a coffee um, in, in a store through your app, which would be absolutely fine. But that was through a select number of stores. Now it's literally nationwide, which is crazy. We've rolled it out that quickly. We've got delivery. So we've partnered with Uber Eats. We've got hundreds of locations now where you can get, you know, um, 
delivery i had one yesterday somebody literally comes to your house and brings you a coffee it's a dream so all these things are changing the way that we do business and we would have never done that had covid at that speed had covid not have happened so i think that you know you but it's the best laid plans you can create a strategy and i think it's really important to have one and i think particularly in house it's very important to have one and the reason for that is because when you're in house everybody is coming up to you saying i've got this project can you just pr it for me and you're like what do you mean by pr it and like just just pr it and, and you <laughs> I'll get just keep quite saying a lot. It louder and slower louder. and you know and, and then you get pro, you get you know and you want to you want to do the best for your colleagues so so but so i think it's really important to have um, a strategic direction so you can say right these are the four buckets that we're working to this year everything has to fit in line with that and our our overarching strategy and and that that that's it that's the the simple the simple piece so when we're talking about like what it is that we want to do when covid is done i think it's oh, so when it's done i mean it's still going to be ongoing but you know we want to get people back into our stores again because we we know that they provide a really important hub and i think if you we we ran a, um, a project about a year and a half ago called Chatty Cafe, and it wasn't our initiative. It was an initiative created by this really lovely woman called Alex, where she um, felt really quite lonely after having her three-year-old. And the three-year-old had a tantrum in a coffee shop, and she um, didn't know what to do. She really just felt rubbish. And actually sitting next to her with this little old lady, they got chatting, and then she came up with the idea of Chatty Cafe, which is... A, a table where it's signposted you're able to have a connection with somebody that you've never met before and it's just a really nice way to pass the afternoon and we ran that and for the first time in our brand's history that wasn't related to economy we were seeing um, the likes of the guardian um the times the telegraph writing commentary and opinion pieces on the importance of our coffee shop not co not just normal coffee shops of costa coffee and the role that we play in the community we've got 2700 stores nationwide and i think people just think yes oh the big brand and oh yeah people don't use them they do they go in there they work from there like life happens in a costa they work from there we've had marriage proposals in there before we've had you know babies first walking in there before you know we've had we've had everything you could possibly imagine in a costa and i think the important thing is that it brings the community together our stores i'm not sure if you know this but pre-covid if say um a group wanted to use that um the store after hours they would literally speak to the manager and have access to the store you know in the evenings and you know do whatever, whether it's a chess club or book club or however they wanted to run wow. it. And you can do that, like knitting club. And I think now that we're in the position that we are, you feel incredibly sad because there are some people that really leaned into that and really needed that. Um, so I I really can't wait for this to be over so we can get people back in store doing the things that, you know, they love doing and meeting people. I think that's lovely. I think that idea of... of, of of humanizing the experience and appreciating that whilst you're there because of the coffee you're actually not there for the coffee you're there for the experience you're there for the you know the the networks or the socializing or or, or all of that sort of stuff which i think is i think is really nice and it's difficult to um 
I guess keep keep that human story going as the brand gets bigger and bigger and bigger and the 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 size of the number of stores and locations and things increases quite a lot. How important is it for 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 Costa to in a world of highly competitive coffee market to to still stick to that core of just being a, a place where people can go and meet and get a nice coffee? You know, I've been working with the brand now a long time and that has not changed. And I think it's very easy to kind of demonize us as as a big as a big brand. But if you go on a Facebook page or Twitter or, you know, Instagram, there is so much love for the brand because like I like I said, we're we're more than a cup of coffee. We are an experience. And the brand has stayed very close to that core value. We want to inspire people to love that great coffee experience. We want to democratise it. Like we were the first um, uh, national coffee chain to bring over a flat white from, oh God, I want to say Australia. Well, yeah, it was Australia actually. It was just about to say New Zealand, but that's not right. From Australia. So strike that, please. I'll say it again. So we were Listen, the first coffee. If it's any, if it's any consolation, we've got a bigger Australian leadership uh, listenership than than the New Zealanders. So that's absolutely fine. They're going to be fine. cheering from Adelaide and Brisbane, from Melbourne, Sydney, and to Alice Springs. Don't you go for it? Well, fine. I'll say it again. So we were the first national coffee chain in 2011 to bring over the flat white because we democratised the coffee experience. It's it's really that simple. We make coffee accessible. And we've always stuck to that route. And if you come into our office, it's very clear what our purpose is. It's very clear what our mission is. And it's just not deviated. We just bring quality coffee to people, whether that's through one of our express machines or, you know, um, uh, in a restaurant through Proud to Serve or in one of our coffee shops or our home range or, you know, it's the expansion of it. Yes, I know that can feel quite daunting, but actually it's just another way for people to get hold of, you know, the brand they love fantastic what um would you say that that the the 2020 situation is 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 that uh a, a worst case example of 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 crisis comms for you guys i mean you said you've 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 landed on your feet in terms of setup you know you're able to work remotely you were working remotely before but in terms of 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 the actual substance of of um of your planning of your strategy of 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 challenges for the brand is a national lockdown and how that affects your uh, your stores, your Costa Expresses, um, and all that sort of stuff is is that probably I don't I don't imagine that global pandemic was in the in the the folder in the crisis communications folder um, in 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 the cabinet. Um, but but you know, what, is it um, a worst case scenario for you guys? Do you think? I think the um, I think look I think COVID for every single brand in the world. Um, through the playbook out the window, through every strategy, every plan out the window. If there was a plan in play, um, it was either uh, accelerated, like I've spoken about digital, that was accelerated really quite quickly, or it was put on the back burner and other things were put in. So with lockdown number one, it was a very different situation. I don't think anybody knew what to expect and quite rightly so, and in line with every single other brand out there, we shut down our stores. Um, and actually, the government guidance was you can open your store in the way that we're operating now. So you can either take away, um, get it from a drive through. So you pick up there um, or delivery. And our express machines have have pretty much been open throughout the entire um, you know pandemic. So 
it has thrown operational challenges in. And what I will say um, is that our operations team literally worked 24-7, 24-7. I was on a call with them. I remember walking through Epping Forest at like eight o'clock in the morning on a call with the ops team, working through the, the number of stores we were going to get open and when. And we started out with four stores to open out of the 2,700 after we closed them down. And I think like I've said to my team or when we've been speaking to, you know, the marketing team or beyond, you just kind of roll with the punches. Um, there's nothing more that you can do. So you just have to roll with it. So in terms of the PR approach and th the way that we wanted to take that forward, we could only go on what, what we've kind of initially been given. So the first round of comms from us that came out was we're closing down, working, you know, in line with government guidelines and, you know, pretty much that was it. And then the next point was reopening. So the the priority for us, first and foremost, was explaining to our customers and our store teams that we were a safe and secure place as could possibly be. So this is how we were going to safely do that. So, you know, it was really important for us to go really hard on our safety, you know, health and safety, you know, messaging. Um, and then actually, as we kind of moved into summer, I think it would be fair to say that the mood of the nation changed. And there was a stop on a lot of things for a lot of brands in kind of that lead up point. And we did some really great work. So um, you might have seen we delivered like a million care packages to the NHS. We went to the Nightingale Hospital and dropped off care packages there. Um, all of our food through all of our stores uh, was gifted to through Fair Share. So we just uh, managed to, you know, kind of... Uh, get that out there which was really important we then obviously worked in line with the government guidance on VAT eat out to help out so it was incredibly busy over the summer and then I think the mindset of consumers started to change and actually instead of it being into this falling into this crisis mode it's now we're living with it how do we continue to live with it and actually that's when we started to leverage some of our campaigns so we did a you know free coffee um and that went absolutely crazy so if you are um, a member of the Costa Coffee Club you instantly get enough points for a coffee if you weren't you downloaded the app and got free coffee um, and that was really fun actually it was a really really fun program to work on because there was so much excitement from the team to be doing something where you don't hear the word COVID for a few hours it was all about you know doing something fun for the consumer and nothing is more fun than a free cup of coffee right especially from the brand that you love so it was a really great experience and then actually as we've kind of moved into september and christmas you know new mpds come in um we're talking about our campaign um now christmas campaign which is saving the moment we are fast running out of terry's chocolate orange i'm guessing that's down to you know my colleagues yeah. that love them your <laughs> colleagues that love them um, but it's been a joy. And I think I think for, for me this year, I, it's, do you know, I say it's a shame I'm on your podcast now because the plans, I think, as we come into the next part of next year, because I think we kind of know where we're at, are really exciting. I'm really excited to get moving on them because I'm all about creating something that is credible and authentic to us and, and is completely ownable. Because I think I just hear too much and I get too many decks from agencies where any of the ideas could be belong to any brand really and they're inauthentic and if i get one more cred stack telling me to shut down all of our stores i i will start naming and shaming them on twitter 
So I'm curious, I'm curious to talk about that just a little bit in terms of the the agency relationships and pitching and things. How how easy was it for you to adapt to sitting on the other side of the table when it comes to selecting agencies? I you know what? I think PR sometimes can be really PR. I think it can <laughs> Says be, the lady uh, who watched Ab Fab. <laughs> I know, I know. Gosh, here I am now, you know champagne lifestyle lemonade budget but yeah um, <laughs> coca-cola budget coca-cola Coca budget yeah that's what right budget. budget sorry the, sprite the, the sprite budget um i think that the transition was difficult to begin with because i think you doubt yourself because i think that you go through your agency career with I suppose in-house being the golden goose and you think it's what you want to move into. But, you know, hearing Lee talk about his experiences and talking about, because he's obviously not been, um, he wasn't in agency. And he said, you know, sometimes I don't know how agencies put up with, with clients. And I think throughout my career, I've had a few, a few clients that have, you know, been quite tricky. So I was very keen on making sure that I was really fair, really clued up, and my feedback to an agency was never no. My feedback was no, and this is the reason why. And this is the reason why this idea won't work. Like that, what's that grounded in? Like where does where does that come come from? Um, and I've really, really worked hard to do that because I never want to be the type of client that either makes somebody cry, makes somebody miserable, or that just is the one that people, you know, get drunk on Friday drinks day trolley and they're all, you know, laughing at you because you have, you know, you're, you're a complete diva. So I think it's just really important to give agencies really solid feedback, be really balanced, be really fair and really constructive. So on that note, Penny, you've gone from uh, studying PR at university to working in agencies where history is banging in the background and you're, you know, going all at it um into working in-house how have you developed or, or invested in your professional development so how have you seen yourself grow and progress and how have you eventually moved into a really senior in-house role at a massive brand that everyone knows about it must be you know it, it must be quite a journey so how have you done that how have you navigated that path for yourself and how you know how driven are you or what drives you um I think it would be fair to say that I, you know, I am really ambitious. Um, I love, I love what I do. I love the brand I work for. I wake up, I, I genuinely do wake up every day and think, oh, God, I'm so lucky. I really am lucky. Um, and I know that sounds a bit cheesy, but it's true. I think in terms of investing in myself, I have made a really big effort to connect in with the Costa teams across the business to learn more about what it is that PR can do to support. So the frustration I have with agencies, and now it's the light bulb moment, is that whenever you get presented an idea or a strategy, it's not driven, it is not driven at all in the business objectives. They're, they're not. What I've seen, no. I think I've made such an effort to learn um, about the commercial side of our business, to know what makes our commercial director tick, to know what makes the finance director tick, to to kind of to, to get that knowledge from a marketeer as well, like why they wouldn't sign a campaign off, why, you know, it's, it's all those little things that I think you need to pick up on. So I have I have invested in that. I've got a few things I can't really talk about at the moment, but I've got a couple of things coming up next year, which I'm really excited to do. They were pinned for this year, but 
but unfortunately not. So I've kind of made an effort to to put them into next year and as something to look forward to in terms of learning. But I think for me, it was really important to kind of not just think about PR, but to kind of navigate out of that and think about, you know, business and, and the commercial um, value that I can bring, because I think that's what's going to stand up, um, you know, in, in the next 12, 18 months um, as we kind of move into this next weird world. And how important have networks been for you? How important has it been for you to to branch out? As you say, you 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 worked in a number of agencies and freelanced in some others. How how important are those professional relationships that you've you've sort of built and established over the years? Um, I think they've been really important. I think I've been again really fortunate to work with some really fantastic people, really fantastic people actually, and I've um worked really hard to keep the relationships with those people in order to be able to like lend an ear tap into them if you're not sure about something be able to pick up the phone because I just I'm not big on thinking that you can do everything yourself and that you can guide that you know the conversation yourself I think it needs to be um I think sometimes I think there's no shame you know what I'm saying in using a sounding board to to kind of help you you know work through a solution Mm. Do you think the industry's got nicer because of COVID? Or do you think we've got nastier because of COVID? It's a really strange question, Adam. What's put that in your mind? Because we speak to lots of people that are grumpy. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, I'm oh, curious. No, um... I'm just I'm I'm just curious. So um there we've seen year year mm. after year growth in terms of um PR spend and people spending more and more money uh on PR, digital marketing and and outreach. And so there's there's been enough for everyone to play with and so everyone has had the opportunity to be nice and friendly and and, and mates and supportive of each other i wonder whether a downturn and uh, and a recession for which most people haven't worked through a recession before or, or certainly the younger cohorts of people this is my first recession um i wonder oh, whether it's not your recession no, it been 10 years no. ago we had a recession 10 years ago, man. We did, 2008. Don't tell me that you're younger. Come on. Don't tell no, me he's that you're not. Like Don't listen to this. He might be baby. He might be baby fist, but he's not. He's well into his 30s. He's a father of three, for God's sake. Man. Oh, my God. Adam, are you a father of three? That's crazy. Three little boys. Yeah, three little boys. Yeah, you've seen. Where was I? Where, where... Here we go. I'm, I'm not. I'm in a second now, Adam. We, I, I've got Google up here. We've got the COVID nineteen recession, which is twenty twenty yeah. to present, right? And these are the recessions in the UK. Then there's the Great Recession, which went from Q two two thousand eight to Q two two thousand nine. There you so, go. So yeah, you've had that one. You the Great there. Recession. You worked for the Great Recession, not just a recession. I can't remember where recession. I was then. Was it was that at Jagex then? 2000, well, 2008, 2009. Yeah. Where were you? 2008, yeah, probably a Oh, yeah. do then. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. it was MSNL then. That was when all the, the fun stopped. I was still a journal. Oh, well, fun did definitely stop because you weren't getting any lunches, I imagine. <laughs> <Do> what, I, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you said that. I, I wasn't was, taking you for lunch. No, I was. Do you know what? I was. Where was I in Q2, Q2, Q3, 2008? I was being taken to uh, Normandy to uh, play a video game called Company of Heroes by THQ and being taken to San Francisco. Oh. So the fun was still rolling for me. I loved That's it. It was great. great. It was fab. I don't, All right. I don't so, to be answer my question, question. We, no, I don't. I don't know how to. I just. I've. I've tried to. I think. I think from a personal perspective, I know that my colleagues and our team have been really just love like really lovely and and I don't think COVID has changed that strike that I think that it might <laughs> I have done. To think everyone fucking hates each other 
No, I, I just, I can't work it out now. You've just, you've really thrown a curveball in. I don't think at all that anybody has got nastier. I don't, I, that it would have never occurred to me that people were getting nasty. Even with the budget involved, I don't think that's the case. I think it's been, I think what makes this different from a recession is that absolutely every single person, every single person has been touched by this. Every single person is at home. That's it. Apart from obviously, you know, your 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 workers, your teachers, and your police, and and I just I just don't think that it's it's got nastier. I think people have been um, really supportive and understanding, and I think that's what it is. I think everybody's in it, and so it's like we're all in it together. And I think it's that mentality. Um, and I certainly, I mean, I love a laugh on our our teams calls every other day, like literally playing music or having fun with a team. I don't, I don't think, I don't think that. But That's I'd wonderful, Penny. I wasn't saying that, that you're being nasty internally. No, feed it, feed it back to me. I, as in, next time you do an interview with somebody, ask them the same question. I'd love to know what they say. I'm, this, I'm intrigued now. This is a curveball question. Penny, I don't even know where the question came from. I was just sort of, I it popped into your head, didn't it? Yeah. What's wrong with Great. you? <laughs> <laughs> Turning, no. No, wow. it's, just, it's never normally like this. No, I'm Penny. not. I'm no, not. no, no, no. I don't, oh, know, where, I don't know where that came from. I brought out the worst in you. I do apologise. That's right. Has, no, has, PR, has PR lived up to his No, street? don't say that's all right. You're putting the blame on it. It's not your fault, Penny. Oh, no, sorry. It's not your fault, Penny. It's 100% Dear my fault. Dear God. It is his God. fault. Please be kind with the editing. I feel like Adam's next to time. me up today. <laughs> Come on, John. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, he's, he, this is not going to be edited. I can guarantee I'm going to make sure all of his... <laughs> garbled mess is totally in it yeah make it adam that's a problem and make it me that i'm like oh my god he's attacking her that's what i want everybody to hear on this podcast no one totally. listens this far into an episode don't worry about no that. one listening no no it's all good it's all good <laughs> <laughs> so penny now that you're a senior practitioner working for such a well-known household brand um i forgot the question <laughs> what's the question yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Oh. You said the biggest challenges facing senior PR Brilliant. pros. Got it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Penny, what is the biggest challenge facing uh, senior pros? Do you think, based on based on your experience at, at Costa and conversations that you have with with similar peers at other businesses? I think that's a really interesting question, Adam. Thank you for asking <laughs> that. I appreciate that. Um, do you know? I think. <laughs> Oh, John, you're going to have so much editing. That's right. It's good to have a laugh. Um, it's good to have a laugh. Carry on. Good. <laughs> we'll break it. I'm going to make you re-ask me a couple of the questions. So I'm not happy how, how I answered them. That's is my Gemma Collins diva moment. So anyway, on the um, on the these uh, challenges, I thought this was a brilliant question, and I couldn't come back to you with with one answer because I feel like there are quite a few, and it, but it does keep coming back to this one theme for me, which is relevance. So I think that um, clients really value senior PR pros because clearly you can give them, you know, counsel that is embedded in, you know, years of experience and working across different, you know, sectors and clients. And I think that's that's super valuable. I think where relevance comes in, and I think certainly what I've seen over the last sort of two to five years is digital and social have really um, just exploded. So, you've, you know, you've got snapchat and tiktok and the twitter as my mother would call it and and instagram the twitter and instagram and then you've got this whole bubble of influencers and i think that poses quite um 
a big challenge in terms of relevance because I certainly haven't listened to any music beyond 2005. So I'm trying to make sure daily that I'm completely relevant. And I think, you know, my team, Helen in particular, who's a, a little bit younger, she's, you know, every day we're talking about like TikTok or rappers or whatever. And she's like, oh, Penny, have you heard this? And I'm like, his name is ASAP Rocky, ASAP Rocky. I don't know. She's like, okay, we'll leave that one there. But it, but it's really important because I'm, I'm not, I think particularly with creativity and with giving um, counsel and particularly to the internal team, if I'm, if I'm asked tomorrow by, you know, our senior leadership team to be able to talk about, you know, the, the benefits of using TikTok or how we'd integrate that into a campaign or, you know, I think you need to, you need to, to certainly develop that. And that's something that, that we're definitely doing more of as a team. And I think, I think it's that relevance part again, that comes into how you hire, because I think that the talent that's coming in now and the people that are coming in, I think they are fantastic because they've got something called confidence, which is not what I had. I just had a gob on me and it would, took me so far. But I think I think the, the PRs coming into the industry today are so much more mature. They are so um, socially savvy. They are very aware of what they want. And interesting, when I've been sat in front of them and I've been interviewing, and this goes back a couple of years pre me having my team together, they're very clear on who they do and they don't want to work for so they um, and interestingly I was having a conversation it was with um uh cat at one green bean who's the who's the MD there and she was you know saying and, and I've experienced this as well it's about you know they want to work for a brand with purpose and if you sat in front of them and said okay I want you to work for um actually I won't name a brand but x brand and it's they're not particularly you know environmentally friendly or whatever it is um their response would be, oh no I'm not, I'm not I won't work on those that's not that's not who I am or what I do and and I think actually I love the confidence of of the ability to be able to say that because I think back in the day when I was coming up it was yes sir absolutely I will work on those I will do whatever and you might not have agreed with it from an ethical standpoint of view but I love that talent is coming in but I think it goes back to that relevance piece again of you've got to make an effort to understand the youth culture around you. you've got to understand the people coming up you've got to understand that talent you know, you've got to tap into social and know what that means. I don't want to be a 65 year old PR person walking in wearing, you know, a ridiculous LaCroix outfit and just being ridiculed for just not having, just not knowing and not being, not being tapped into or being overly tapped into it, that it's just, it's disingenuous. So I just think it's, I think it's, having the right people around you to help teach you and guide you. And it's kind of a bit of that reverse mentoring as well that I see is, is becoming really popular now. Um, so that's, that's, that's it. Adam. Penny, that's I love, your question I, answered. I love that answer. So earlier on this season, we had three people from the PR 30 under 30 list on the pod. And um, it was so inspiring. Not only that there are, there, there, there are sort of young people who are so with it and, and prepared to do things, but it complete they they completely align to what you were saying that they're, they're so ethical they're so driven and then they're prepared to learn but they're not prepared to waver on their views and and what they want and they they want change to happen so they actually 
during the during the interview were talking about really big media issues they weren't just talking about media relations and how we secure media coverage they were talking about gender imbalance they were talking mm. about racial diversity they were talking yeah. about ethical practice and and it was wonderful to think that junior people felt so empowered that they could and obviously these are these are special people because they're in the PR week 30 under 30 but I'm not sure I would have had that confidence when I started out in the industry so that really inspires me that there are people that are that are prepared to do that and so driven by their by their ethics and I can't even imagine can you imagine speaking about mental health to my boss I can't I can't imagine that I mean I've had some really overwhelming and scary incidences as a line manager with team members that have suffered with mental health and the responses from the agencies that I've worked in have have been really poor actually really poor and so I am all for like fresh new talent coming in that say no that understand well-being understand work-life balance because they are going to whip you know the clients of tomorrow into shape and I think that's really really important hundred percent. I think it's scary. We're all going to have to continue to develop and be mentored, aren't we? Otherwise, we're going to get mm. overtaken. Yeah, because I think PR traditionally has been seen as a bit of a young person's game. And then you see the, the leadership teams and they're all dressed like teenagers <laughs> because they're down with the youth. And I would always mock them. But then I think, actually, <laughs> like in a you know, one. <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a, there was some, wasn't there like a survey or something where it wasn't a PR survey. It was an actual like proper, I think, mental health survey with like the, the, the areas for the biggest breakdown of finance law. And then PR was the third one because you, you burn out and you work really, really, really hard. And then you kind of come to the end of it and you just think, wow. And I think, you know, if you can, if you can manage that, and then look at bringing in a circle of people that you love working with, you love speaking to, that can teach you, you know, about all those things that I think we can be quite ignorant about or that we're not, you know, um, up to scratch about. I think that that's really important. And, you know, talk. I'm enlightening myself now. So I've got this for, for reading. So it is The Book of Joy by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. That is my reading for this evening. Because, you know, you just need to broaden your horizons a little bit, don't you? That's wonderful. And do you read that with Kistri on in the background? Um, I, um, I'm i not allowed Kistri in my house because I think my boyfriend would leave me and I can't let him leave me because he is an exceptional cook, if not the house cook, and I don't do any of the cooking myself anymore. Um, you bring so, the coffee, so no. fine. But I do listen to Kistri as I'm going for a run. Um, and I was listening to Garage Nation today as I was going for a run. That was my that was my my little treat. And I do it secretly. It's my secret indulgence. I think that guilty and pleasure. guilty pleasure is is a bit of Kistri or watching Below Deck or something, which you <laughs> seem very highbrow and you wouldn't watch it, but it is a programme, a reality show about life on a yacht, and it's really great. I and they have nightmare clients on it now. Yes, it's it's incredible. But um, I read a lot, so that's my that's my little indulgence apart from apart from history. Penny, uh, if people uh, want to uh, follow every move uh, you make with the Costa uh, Coffee brand over the next yes. sort of, however long, how can how can people um, follow you, interact with you, etc.? Um, I'm going to do a Lee, and I'm going to say just don't. Um, so. <laughs> 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 
my Instagram is my private Instagram, so that's my personal life. I've got a please if they want anything, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I've been really open, so I, if anybody, I know I appreciate COVID is a really difficult time. If anybody wants any advice, any counsel on anything, I'm really happy to kind of look at CVs. Um, be used as a sounding board. So please, you know, approach me on on LinkedIn. Um, my Twitter. Um, I love Twitter. I'm obsessed with Twitter, but I'm mostly a follower. I'm kind of not really a a tweeter. I might tweet one or two things. Um, mostly, uh, you know. Yeah, I will do that. Um, I I mostly, if you look at my tweets, they are quite silly. It's something, you know, okay. (laughs) Park that one there. But we do have a Costa PR account on um, Instagram, so they're more than welcome to follow that. And they can, like I said, they can check me out on LinkedIn, um, which is probably easier. Thanks to Penny Mario from Costa Coffee for being an absolutely brilliant guest on today's episode. Um, as ever, you can follow us on Twitter at PR Hub. You can follow Adam at Adam Tuckwell, and I'm at John Wilcox underscore. Not long until the end of the season, folks. In the meantime, don't forget to uh, like us, rate us, comment, uh, and all that sort of jazz. We'll see you very soon. Bye bye. Shame.